The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. In-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News. Nashville police have identified the victims in this morning's private school shooting as three nine-year-old students and three adults in their 60s. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marine. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. We've learned that suspect, a 28-year-old woman, is believed to be a former student at the Christian school. NBC's Dan Shineman tells us how police took her down. Monday morning, a school day. Shots fired at Covenant School in Nashville. There were so many police cars, and then the ambulances started coming away from the school. And that's when I had heard it was a school shooting. Inside the private Christian school, teachers tried to protect students. She said she was hiding in the closet, and that they were shooting all over, and that they had potentially tried to get into her room. Police say the assailant entered the school through a side door and began firing. We now know that there are three students who were fatally wounded, as well as three adults inside the school. The shooter fired throughout the school and was on the second floor when confronted by police. The officers engaged her. She was fatally shot by responding police officers. Just 14 minutes after the initial call, it was over. We know that she was armed with at least two assault-type rifles and a handgun. At one point, she was a student at that school, uh, but unsure what year, all of that. But that's what I've been told so far. Students were guided from the school, while anxious parents waited to be reunited with children. The investigation has just started. Three people lost their children today. It's hard to imagine. Something hard to imagine is now reality in Nashville. Dan Shenneman, NBC News. Well, back here at home, you may see more DPS troopers patrolling Austin streets. It's a new partnership between the city and state that was announced today, and it's meant to make Austin safer. KXN's Jayla Washington is live to tell us how this all works. Jayla. Hey, good evening, Dan. Daniel and Jennifer, excuse me, uh, DPS officers are expected to be spread out all across the city. We found out today that'll primarily be in areas where the most crime is happening. Now, the idea here is that DPS will be splitting patrols and even helping officers respond to traffic incidents. This is a huge deal for us, especially since APD has been struggling with staffing shortages, retaining officers and more crime in our city. This is a brand new partnership that is still being finalized, so the city wasn't able to share any specifics on where DPS troopers will be helping out or even the hours they'll be working. And of course, they won't say how many troopers will be in town. Communicating, though, between the two agencies isn't expected to be a problem. DPS and APD are really just hoping this makes everyone here in Austin feel safer. Where are we seeing the crime occurring, addressing the crime, uh, and generally, this is going to be violent crime, but it's also going to be related to traffic-related enforcement and traffic deaths in, in more of a supportive role. This is support and supplement, uh, not override, not overtake. This is what happens when you can have uh, a good relationship between your local government and your state capital. Now, this is going to be something that we're seeing in a matter of just a few days. 
Uh, the partnership, it's not going to cost the city any money. Of course, we did ask that, but they're really just hoping again that this will lead to safety. They're going to be using the data to really track the success of it. And also keep in mind, uh, they're just trying to do anything they can to get our public, situ public safety situation under control. Daniel, we'll send it back to you. All right, thank you very much, Jayla. And going in depth, in November of 2020, Governor Abbott directed DPS to support the Dallas Police Department in their efforts to reduce violent crime. That included having DPS special agents and state troopers support DPS gang and drug investigative operations. And it also included a team of DPS intelligence analysts. DPS also provided two helicopters and two patrol planes. Governor Abbott did the same thing to help San Antonio combat police, uh, help uh, police in San Antonio combat gang-related crime in 2017. Well, jury selection began today in the murder trial against an army sergeant accused of shooting and killing an armed Black Lives Matter protester. And our Jayla Washington spoke with some legal experts. This was earlier today about the challenges prosecutors are up against. You may have seen this video by now. The moment Army Sergeant Daniel Perry shot Black Lives Matter armed protester Garrett Foster several times. Witnesses told us Perry sped up while driving toward the crowd. What does DA Garza really have to do to prove that this was a murder based instead of self-defense? What the prosecution is going to have to establish in order to uh, attain a murder conviction is that the uh, defendant essentially purposely or knowingly took the life of the victim, wanted to do it or was aware that they were going to be doing it. But Perry's argument from the beginning has been this. His account is that Mr. Foster pointed the weapon directly at him. And self-defense in Texas is more protective of those claiming it, per UT law professor Jennifer Lauren. An individual uh, does not have any obligation to retreat before using deadly force. Now, since this case is so well known, Travis County's district attorney office is likely feeling the pressure. There's always a high level of scrutiny in a murder case, and there is an especially high level of scrutiny in a murder case where there is significant media attention. I personally know the three prosecutors who are trying this case on behalf of the district attorney's office. All three of them are excellent trial attorneys. All three of them take their oath quite seriously which is not to seek conviction, but to see that justice is done. Calls for justice. And a family mourning a great loss. Now, waiting to see how the process plays out almost three years later. Jayla Washington, KXAN News. In a statement, Perry's attorney told us in part, quote, we just ask people to put themselves in the position of being trapped in a car surrounded by a crowd of protesters assaulting the car from all sides. The attorney representing Garrett's fiance said in a statement, we are grateful that a jury is finally going to hear this case because we have been waiting for a long time to see justice for Garrett. Help is pouring into the Mississippi communities devastated by an EF4 tornado. That twister killed 20 
one people. The tornado carved a path of destruction as it stayed on the ground for over an hour Friday night. And now President Joe Biden declared a major disaster in Mississippi and is ordering for federal aid to help with recovery efforts. And David, as we just look at those images, we know that it, it's a long road really to recovery. It's heartbreaking. It gives you chills to see that kind of damage. This tornado is so strong, you really needed to be underground to survive it. The preliminary rating, as you saw there, an EF4, that means winds could have been as strong as 200 miles per hour. It was on the ground for an hour and 10 minutes, and it was three quarters of a mile wide. They certainly do have a long road to recovery and more severe weather threats there coming later this week. Back here at home, we're actually looking out into the distance from Llano County toward the west at a thunderstorm that's approaching our viewing area. 75 on a warm, comfortable day. No rain falling in the area, but if we look out toward western Mason County and Junction, you can see a strong thunderstorm which is losing a lot of its intensity, a lot less lightning and less of a hail core than there was an hour ago. Still, we're watching the possibility of a couple lightning strikes, maybe some very small hail briefly in Mason County this evening. And this is represented of a slim threat of strong storms area-wide tonight and tomorrow. Coming up, we'll track a surge of cooler air, where the storms are most likely, and a string of cooler days on the way. All right, David, thank you very much. State lawmakers are trying to figure out why more pregnant people are dying during and after childbirth in Texas. A committee met today to discuss maternal mortality. It's an issue KXAN has reported on extensively with our Mothers Erased series. Houston Democratic Representative Sean Terry would like to see more maternal mortality information reported to the Department of State Health Services. She also wants to create a data registry. Now, lawmakers discussed a bill to do that but took no action on advancing it. Well, it's that time of year to start looking for a summer job. The positions Austin Parks and Rec are hiring for and how much you could get paid. And there's a bill advancing in the state to better protect your pet. A look at the measure that would keep a close eye on vets. The New York grand jury weighing whether to indict former President Donald Trump over an alleged hush money payment to adult film star Stormy Daniels met again today. And this comes just days after Trump held his first 2024 campaign rally in Waco. The grand jury heard testimony from another witness as they continue to consider charges against Trump. At Saturday's campaign rally, Trump blasted this process, proclaiming his innocence and calling the investigation a political witch hunt. Well, are you looking for a summer job? Austin Parks and Rec is hiring summer camp counselors and pay is $20 per hour. Sick leave is provided for all staff. You must be 18 years or older to apply. We have more information including how to apply that can be found on KXAN.com. Well, wrapping up a comfortable, warm start to the work week today. Official high temperatures in Austin coming in just warmer than normal at 80 degrees. We'll probably end the day dry as we have been so far, falling a little farther behind for the month and for the year. Your first warning forecast with cooler, windy weather coming up. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to ShelfGenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. We the public need good veterinarians, and we deserve a good board. 
Today, the step is one. The state is one step closer to cleaning up what some leaders have called a mess, with the agency in charge of Texas animal doctors. A Senate committee advanced a bill that would temporarily attach the Texas Vet Board to another state agency to help with data and management issues. It's battled for years. But KXN investigator Avery Travis explains why a second bill discussed about vet board operations has some pet owners feeling like it's one step forward, two steps back. On behalf of the 20 million Texans with companion animals, I encourage you to pass this bill. It's not Judy Santer's first time telling lawmakers she's worried about what's going on at the Texas Board of Veterinary Medical Examiners. She lost two animals, her horse and dog, to what she calls veterinary malpractice, and she wasn't happy with how the state board in charge of discipline responded. They have not ever, in all these years, they have not gotten their database up and running. Back in 2016, a legislative review called the vet board an agency in crisis. Subsequent reviews found it still hadn't implemented a working database to track complaints and cases. And in 2022, KXAN found dozens of disciplinary records still missing from the agency's public website. This is the vet board's third sunset review in three legislative sessions. Uh, that's unprecedented. This time around, there's a push to bring in the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation for oversight and to help with data management, rulemaking, and other administrative tasks. A second bill was discussed today that would allow the vet board to dismiss meritless complaints. Supporters say this will help them in getting through the backlog that's plagued them for years, but some worry that for this agency, that's dangerous. To give them supervision is a great thing, but if you take away a lot of what they're supposed to do before you do that, seems to be pointless. But Dr. Jody Long, practicing vet and president of the association advocating on behalf of the industry, says it's all a part of helping the board be successful. Having those frivolous cases that come through just take up you know, very finite resources that the board has. Any concern that by adding more dismissal power that some of those serious cases actually won't get justice. Right. And that's where TDLR can come in on the administrative side to help get processes in place so that doesn't happen. Aver Travis, KXAN Investigates. And the new executive director of the agency also testified today saying that they're doing everything they can to quote, right the ship. She told lawmakers that in the last six months, they've done more inspections than the last two years combined. Now, both of these bills passed in this committee. They will now be heard in front of the full Senate at a later date. KXN investigators will keep following them. You can explore their coverage over the last year on this issue online right now in the investigative section of KXAN.com. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, 518 now on your Monday, and it's been a mostly cloudy but very comfortable day. That's pretty much how we are right now live on the Austonian weather cam. Looking westward, it's 80 degrees in Marble Falls, 73 in Lampasas, mainly upper 80s up and down I-35, 78 degrees right now at Camp Mabry. Pollen count showing oak is way up. If you're like my neighborhood in your area, you've got those little mountains of the oak pollen everywhere. It's again very high today. Mold is high and worse than it has been, seven different allergens. As we count them up on page two, at least things like elm and ash are staying low. We've got a little storm chance actually tonight and mainly a rain chance continuing through the rest of the week. A couple isolated storms firing to our north and west. We also have a stalled front which will be moving back and forth across our area. Right now it's to the south of us. You factor in all these elements plus some upper level energy and moisture coming in from the eastern Pacific. And that's why we have a little one out of five chance of a strong storm overnight. Notice that dark green marginal shading only west of Mason, but also including much of our eastern viewing area 
Overnight tonight, the threat of hail appears to be the largest, although remember one out of five for parts of the viewing area. Overall, not a big severe weather outbreak, what we're expecting. We do have that one storm west of Mason County. This computer model doing a great job picking it up. And just like what I told you at the top of the broadcast, a lot of these are going to be trying to move in, but they lose energy as the atmosphere locally is just not conducive to support them. Nevertheless, all eyes on the hill country for the next few hours as another couple storms try to wander our way. As you can see, though, the rain coverage then and overnight remains quite low at just 10%. Now, by tomorrow morning, we've got a cool front pushing through the area. This could spark another shower or thunderstorm, but it also leads to colder, windy weather tomorrow under mainly gray skies. And tomorrow night into Wednesday, another slim 10 or 20% chance of a couple passing showers. Here we are Wednesday early in the morning. We'll continue through your Wednesday under gray skies and just an isolated shower or storm possible. The rainfall all the way through tonight, tomorrow and Wednesday, pretty scarce and pretty light. Unfortunately, less than a tenth of an inch if you do get rain and not all of us even see it in the first place. But behind tomorrow's front, it will be cooler than normal for a couple days. Highs dropping to 70 tomorrow, 65 on Wednesday. Later in the week, heat and humidity return as another severe storm threat clips our area. Your preliminary outlooks and a first warning on that next system show a severe storm threat north of us on Thursday, again north of us on Friday. We'll keep an eye on these maps, though, from our partners at the Storm Prediction Center. Tonight, 10% chance of a little rain, 58 degrees with a breezy north wind. Tomorrow, winds are gusting up to 30 miles an hour from the north, dropping temperatures to 70 with just another 10% chance of rain. There's an even cooler and gray day on Thursday. 10, 20% chance of a little shower or storm all the way through the coming weekend. But after that warm, humid weather blows in Friday, a weak cool front erases the humidity and cools down the mornings this weekend. Hope to see at the ABC Zilker Kite Festival on Saturday. Low humidity, mainly dry, and a high of 82. Fighting two major killers has the U.S. and Mexico teaming up. The deal that could prevent gun violence and fentanyl deaths. The Biden administration is preparing to announce a deal with Mexico in an effort to make both countries safer. And as Alice Barr reports, the agreement involves Mexico cracking down on drug labs and smuggling the dangerous synthetic opioid into the U.S. While in exchange, the U.S. promises to restrict the flow of guns into Mexico. Across the country, the deadly drug fentanyl is ravaging communities and stealing young lives through a surge in overdoses. Among them, Dina Loudon's son, Matthew. I don't get to hear his laughter anymore. Now, as she tries to warn other kids away. This stuff is horrible and it's in everything. NBC News has learned the U.S. is preparing to announce a major deal with Mexico to stem the flow of fentanyl coming across the southern border by partnering to track raw materials, find and shut down labs, and go after drug dealers. That, according to two sources familiar with the plans, it's welcome news to school officials on the front lines of the fentanyl fight. This is a deadly game that kids are playing. This school board member in Springfield, Virginia, co-hosting a town hall tomorrow night. Where you can watch even from one high school to the next geographically as um, this fentanyl moves through. And it is terrifying. And I think anything that we can do 
that cuts it off at the source. In exchange for Mexico's cooperation on fentanyl, sources telling NBC News the U.S. will crack down on American guns crossing into Mexico. That after the gun used in the killing of two kidnapped Americans in Mexico earlier this month has been linked to a Texas man who, according to court documents, admitted that he knew the firearm would be sent to a Mexican cartel. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Tonight on KXAN, it's a voice at 7, Quantum Leap at 9, all before we're back here for KXAN News at 10 o'clock. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on the CW Austin. Here is where to find the CW. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.